This morning I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles and make your way to the Old Testament book of Esther. The Old Testament book of Esther. This morning in the book of Esther, we are going to be in chapter number 3. Now if you can find the book of Psalms, which is of course roughly in the middle of your Bible, make your way back towards the front, just a couple books, you'll find the book of Esther. Of course, for those of you that have electronic devices, you but need to be able to spell, right? And Esther begins with an E. Esther, okay? Esther chapter number 3. We're going to read verses 1 through 9 this morning in Esther chapter number 3. So let's look at Esther chapter 3, verse 1. After these things did King Acosphorus promote Haman... By the way, let me just say this before we read further. Choose to pronounce Haman's name however you want, right? Haman, Haman, whatever, right? But you know who we're talking about. Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, and advanced him and set his seat above all the princes that were with him. And all the king's servants that were in the king's gate bowed and reverenced Haman, for the king had so commanded concerning him. But Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence. Then the king's servants, which were in the king's gate, said unto Mordecai, Why transgressest thou the king's commandment? Now it came to pass, when they spake daily unto him, and he hearkened not unto them, that they told Haman to see whether Mordecai's matters would stand. For he had told them that he was a Jew. And when Haman saw that Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence, then was Haman full of wrath. And he thought scorn to lay hands on Mordecai alone, For they had showed him the people of Mordecai. Wherefore Haman sought to destroy all the Jews that were throughout the whole kingdom of Acosphorus, even the people of Mordecai. In the first month, that is the month Nisan, in the twelfth year of King Ahasuerus, they cast Pur, that is the lot, before Haman from day to day, and from month to month, to the twelfth month, that is the month Adar. And Haman said unto King Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of thy kingdom, and their laws are diverse from all people. Neither keep they the king's laws, therefore it is not for the king's profit to suffer them. If it please the king, let it be written that they may be destroyed. And I will pay ten thousand talents of silver to the hands of those that have the charge of the business to bring it into the king's treasury. The title of the message this morning is Haman, the perfect political candidate. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the time we could spend in your house today. We ask that you'd guard guard and guide our uh, discussion today, Lord, that it might be honorable unto you. Lord, I know that some of the things that we say this morning would be offensive to some, and yet, Lord, we, we seek not to pick a fight. We seek not to... Uh, try to intentionally be offensive, but we want to stand for your truths and for your word. Lord, I pray today you'd help us to be aware of what is happening in our country, that we would hold the fort, that we would take a stand, and that we would be willing, Lord, to uh, defend the truths that uh, are so eloquently uh, and eloquently given to us in your word. Lord, we pray that you'd meet with us this morning. Have your own will and way. We confess our sin before you. We look to you as our sovereign ruler. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Haman, the perfect political candidate.
candidate. Haman is the perfect political candidate. And I want you to understand, and I hope that you do understand, that I don't mean this as a compliment to Haman. I don't mean this as a compliment to political candidates today. Haman would fit right in in our country's political climate today. Now in our text, Haman, which is very interesting, we don't hear anything of Haman until chapter number 3. Haman is promoted above all the others in the Persian kingdom. King Akasphorus, or some would say that this is actually King Xerxes, uh, he somehow comes to value Haman, and he promotes Haman above all others. And of course, Haman is entrenched in this power. He likes this power. I believe it's probable that he sought out this power. And there's one thing that he cannot control. One person that he cannot control. Mordecai. And Haman will do anything that he can to ensure that Mordecai complies with Haman's desires and by extension the king's order. You see, because in doing so, Haman is ensuring that he will retain his power. Now, in many ways, Haman is today's perfect political candidate. We might be moved this morning to say, well, how so? We read verses 1 through 9. How does that translate? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> okay? Uh, I think that there are four ways that show Haman as today's perfect political candidate. Notice them, I give them to you, and then we look at them individually. First of all, we see it in this way. His thirst for power. His thirst for power. Secondly, we see Haman as today's perfect political candidate in that there is a tantrum he throws produced by his pride. The third way is that Haman develops a twisted plot to retain his power. And then the fourth way that we see Haman shown as today's perfect political candidate is that he implements a tactic born of politics. In other words, to get his way, he uses a pure political tactic. Haman is the perfect political candidate. Notice, first of all, we see Haman's thirst for power. We see this in verses 1 through 4 of Esther chapter number 3. Haman epitomizes today's political candidate. How? Because he is driven by power. He is driven by power. Look, I know that there are some politicians that are in it for the right reason. There's no doubt that there are some. But they are by far the minority. Today's political candidate is driven by a thirst for power. A desire to better themselves. A desire to take care of themselves and their own family members. You know it to be true. We see Haman as the perfect political, political candidate. He has a thirst for power. 
He will do whatever it takes for the purpose of power. Now, notice in, in, in Esther chapter number 3, beginning in verse number 1, the Bible says, after these things, and of course it's talking about what proceeded in chapter number 2, and these are not relevant for what we're talking about right now, and so I'm not going to go back and recap that, but you can read chapter number 2 for context's sake. But notice chapter number 3, verse 1, after these things did King Achosphorus promote Haman, he promoted Haman, the son of Hamadatha the Agagite, and advanced him and set his seat above all the princes that were with him. Haman, whose name literally means magnificent, it kind of reminds you of these wrestlers. You know, these wrestlers have these crazy names. You know, the magnificent one. You know, and I'll I'll spare you doing my Ric Flair imitation and impression this morning. Okay. Uh, the nature boy is still alive, by the way. Uh, he's not looking so well. But Haman, Haman, his name means magnificent. And he was literally promoted to the office of vizier or prime minister to the king of Persia, King Achosphorus. As I mentioned in the introduction, this is the first time that we hear of Haman... But make no mistake about it, Haman must have been working on obtaining this position for some time. Because you don't just appear on the scene and get appointed to the position that Haman was appointed to. Haman, as today's political candidate demonstrates, was a guy, and we'll see this as we read the rest of uh, the verses that we studied, uh, or that we read this morning. We study those verses and we look at other verses in the book of Esther, we are going to see that Haman is a narcissist. Haman is driven by his own desire for power and his own desire to stay in power. And because he is a narcissist, he actually thinks that he is entitled to this. He thinks that he is entitled to this power and to stay in power. He thinks that he is entitled to have others bow down and do him reverence. Haman loves one person, and that person is Haman. Let me prove it to you. Notice Haman's behavior in Esther chapter number 6, verses 6 through 9. Turn over to Esther chapter number 6, verses 6 through 9. So Haman came in. This is Esther chapter 6, verse 6. So Haman came in, and the king said unto him, What shall be done unto the man whom the king delighteth to honor? Now watch this. Now Haman thought in his heart, To whom would the king delight to do honor more than to myself? See, Haman, Haman deserved this. This was Haman's birthright. Haman deserved to be president of the United States. Haman deserved to be the prime minister of the entire kingdom of Persia. That was his birthright. Who is more who is more deserving than Haman? I mean, who would the people think to honor with this more than Haman? He's a narcissist. He is driven by a thirst for power. I deserve it. After all, I'm Haman. Bow down and worship me. Notice verse 7. And Haman answered the king, For the man whom the king delighteth to honor, let the royal apparel be brought which the king useth to wear, 
and the horse that the king rideth upon, and the crown royal which is set upon his head, and let this apparel and horse be delivered to the hand of one of the king's most noble princes, that they may array the man withal whom the king delighteth to honor, and bring him on horseback through the street of the city, and proclaim before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delighteth to honor. Haman is literally saying to king of Achosphorus, Hey, you know, let me be you. I deserve to be in your stead, so you give me your royal apparel. You let me set upon the, the royal horse. You let a procession be made for me, and I'll, I'll proceed through the streets, and the people will bow down and worship before me, because after all, I'm Haman, and I deserve it. Now, you tell me that when I was talking just now, in the past few moments, you didn't think of certain political candidates in your mind. You know who I'm talking about. People that think that they deserve to be President of the United States. Or they deserve to be Speaker of the House. Or they deserve to be the Vice President. Because after all, they're them. And there's nobody better than them. Haman was driven by power. He was a narcissist that thought that he was entitled to power. In fact, to Haman, control of others and the worship by others was more important to him than anything else in life. Watch. Look at Esther chapter number 5, verses 11 through 13. In Esther chapter number 5, verses 11 through 13. Now Haman's back home and he's talking to his friends and his wife. In verse 11, And Haman told them of the glory of his riches and the multitude of his children and all the things wherein the king had promoted him and how he had advanced him above the princes and servants of the king. Haman said, Moreover, Yea, Esther the queen did let no man come in with the king unto the banquet that she had prepared but myself. Then tomorrow am I invited unto her also with the king. Yet all this availeth me nothing so long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. This guy had such a despising indignation towards Mordecai that he couldn't even stand to look at him. He wanted rid of him. He has all of the riches and all of the honor that comes with being the prime minister of the entire kingdom of Persia, second in command only to King Achosphorus. And what's this guy thinking about? How can I get rid of that stinking Mordecai? He's driven by a thirst for power. He would do anything to get that power. He would do anything to stay in power. Now, Haman wanted all to bow to him. Folks, that is the definition textbook of a narcissist. You exist for me. You bow for me. When I walk by, you better recognize that I'm walking by because it's me. And I deserve it. Okay? Now think about how stupid that sounds, and yet there are people, I deal with them every day, that really believe that that's the truth. You know what I'd like to do? I'd like to start a, a death match between narcissists. Okay? Because, you know, if you're a narcissist and you're the most important person in the world, and this guy's a narcissist and he's the most important person in the world, you both can't be the most important person in the world. So let's do this. I'll pay for an octagon and you two get in the octagon and fight it out and then I won't have to prosecute. Okay? So I'm being a little foolish. Okay? But you get what I'm saying. 
you're not both the most important person in the world, and yet there are millions in society, I'm not talking about just the United States, but worldwide, that are narcissists, that will do anything to have others bow down in subservience to them. Now watch our text verse. Esther chapter 3, verse number 2. And the king's servants that were in the king's gate bowed and reverenced Haman. For the king had so commanded concerning him, but Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence. Literally what happened here, don't miss this. Literally what, what, what happened with Haman is that he was given a throne above all others. He was extolled by King Achosphorus literally as an idol and a false god. This is Haman. You bow down and you worship Haman. You do reverence to Haman. He was held in divine honor by the kingdom of Persia. Now, bowing in reverence is a sign of subservience. It is a sign that I rule over you. What do we mean when we talk about the phrase, and we still use this today, you know, you got to bow and kiss the ring. What does that mean? It means that that person is in control and in power, and you have to bow in subservience to them. Haman would do anything to retain this power. He wanted these people to know that he was in control, and he was in charge, and you better bow and do reverence to me. The king said so. Think about today. In our country today, politicians have twisted what public service is. Our founding fathers never intended for politicians to make a career of it and to become millionaires and billionaires because of their public service. Why is it that we, working for the people of St. Clair County, have a meager salary as a public servant? And the people that are in office have no such meager salary. You know, why is it that EMTs and paramedics and police officers that serve the public good make what we make, which is pittance, compared to those that are public servants in the political arena? Listen to this. Chuck Grassley. By the way, I said I was going to offend some people. I'm crossing lines today. Chuck Grassley, a Republican... You know how long Chuck Grassley's been in the Senate? Well, the Senate and the House compared 48 years. 48 years. Ed Markey, who's a senator from Massachusetts, has been in the Senate and the House 46 years. 46 years. Chuck Schumer, we all know Chuck, right? What a great guy Chuck is. Chuck has been in public service either in the House or the Senate from New York for 42 years. Dick Durbin from the great state of Illinois has been in public service either in the House or Senate for 40 years. Mitch McConnell. Stinking Mitch McConnell. Been in the House and Senate for 38 years. Nancy Pelosi, 35 years. You know how long Joe Biden has been in public service? And I use the term public service loosely Joe Biden ran for political office for the first time in 1970. Since 1970, Joe Biden has been bilking the American people. How does Joe Biden become the millionaire that he is from public service? 
Joe Biden was in the United States Senate from 1973 to 2009 when he became the Vice President of the United States. How? Are you really going to tell me that Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer and Chuck Grassley and Mitch McConnell and all the other folks that I named for you that have been in the office longer than some of you have been alive are out for the good of the American people? They are professional politicians. They are the perfect political candidates. They will do whatever they have to do to retain their power. If you don't believe that, go back and look at Dick Durbin's stance on abortion. Dick Durbin was against abortion. Well, you know what? You're not going to get elected to the United States Senate in Illinois being uh, anti-abortion. So guess what? Dick Durbin is now one of the loudest advocates for abortion. Joe Biden? You want to know what Joe Biden believed on issues like homosexual marriage and so forth? Go back and read it. Not what he believes now. These people are political candidates that are driven by their thirst for power, and they will do anything to stay in power. John Witherspoon signed the Declaration of Independence. He was the first president of Princeton University. He said this, Those who wish well to the state ought to choose to places of trust, men of inward principle, justified by exemplary conversation. And the people in general ought to have regard to the moral character of those whom they invest with authority, either in the legislative, executive, or judicial branches. Samuel Adams said, Nothing is more essential to the establishment of manners in a state than that all persons employed in places of power and trust be men of unexceptionable characters. The public cannot be too curious concerning the character of public men. And what do we have today? We have professional politicians. We have, we have a House and a Senate, and I'm talking nationally. We're not even talking about states. We have a House and Senate full of Hamans. Professional, perfect political candidates who are all about furthering their power and, and retaining their power. How was Haman the perfect political candidate? We had a thirst for power. But notice, secondly, the second way in which we see Haman as the perfect political candidate, he throws a tantrum produced by pride. Now, Haman was livid at Mordecai. Why was he livid at Mordecai? Let's again begin reading here in verse number 2. And we'll read down through verse number uh, 6. Or verse number 5, rather. Verse number 5. And all the king's servants that were in the king's gate bowed and reverenced Haman, for the king had so commanded concerning him. But Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence. Then the king's servants which were in the king's gate said unto Mordecai, Why transgressest thou the king's commandment? Now it came to pass when they spake daily unto him, and he hearkened not unto them, that they told Haman to see whether Mordecai's matters would stand, for he had told them that he was a Jew. And when Haman saw that Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence, then was Haman full of wrath. Do you see what's happening here? Mordecai refuses to bow the knee to Haman. And Haman is livid at Mordecai. Now why is Haman livid at Mordecai? Well, he's livid at Mordecai, first of all, because he's a narcissist and he deserves everybody to bow down and worship him. But don't miss this. Don't miss this. Look at verse 4 again. Now it came to pass when they spake daily unto him and hearkened not unto them that they told Haman to see whether Mordecai's matters would stand. 
They're watching Haman. Hey, Haman, if you're really all that, and you have this much power, here's this guy that's refusing to, 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 follow, out the king, to follow the king's command. What are you going to do about it? Because if you really have all of this power, you're going to make sure that this guy complies. You see, it falls right back into Haman's thirst for power and his desire to retain that power. Now, we see Haman's tantrum produced by pride, first of all, in that he has no respect for the beliefs of others. No respect for the beliefs of others. Why was Mordecai not bowing down and doing reverence to Haman? It wasn't because Mordecai was a bad citizen. It was because Mordecai understood the Word of God and going all the way back to the book of Exodus, and you follow all the way through to the book of Revelation, where, where we are told that we are not to bow to any man. We don't bow the knee to any man. In fact, there are instances where Daniel and John in the book of Revelation where they bow before an angel and, and, and seemingly do obeisance and reverence, and the angel says, Get up! You don't do that for me. You do that for one, and that's the Lord God Almighty and Jesus Christ. We preached last week at Faith Baptist Church in Granite City on Jesus, the King of Kings. And we looked at Philippians chapter number 2. And there's coming a day when every knee is going to bow to who? Not Haman. Not Joe Biden. Not Kamala Harris. Not Chuck Grassley. Not Donald Trump. But Jesus Christ. Haman wanted Mordecai to bow and do reverence to him, and Mordecai said, no, there's one that I bow the knee to, and it's not you. It's the Lord God Almighty. Now, is that really that egregious? Think about it. Is that really that egregious? you got a citizen who's abiding by the law, and the one thing he won't do is bow and do reverence to you. You have no respect for his religious beliefs. Folks, if you don't understand that there are those in power today that have no respect for the beliefs of others, i.e. you and I, then you better wake up and see what's going on. Haman had no respect for the beliefs of others. Haman, secondly, was seriously disturbed as he was given to fits of rage. Man, I would have loved to have seen Haman evaluated psychologically to get the psychopathy of this guy, the narcissism that he displayed and the fits of rage. Look at verse number 5 again. And when Haman saw that Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence, then Haman, then was Haman full of wrath. This mean that he, means that he had a burning anger. He was literally full of rage. You ever see people in power? They don't get their way. You know, they get up, and I'm thinking of Chuck Schumer when, you know, when, when the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, and when I say overturned Roe v. Wade, they didn't really overturn Roe v. Wade, they just sent it back to the states, but of course you don't hear that today because it doesn't fit the political narrative. And oh, Chuck Schumer's talking to the group outside the Supreme Court, and he's talking about the fact that, 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 that the powers that be are going to rain down upon the members of the Supreme Court, throwing a temper tantrum. In this very place of worship, we have seen adults throw temper tantrums. How sad that those that are in power, moved by pride, disturbed by pride, given to fits of rage. And we, we see lastly here that this tantrum produced by pride 
reveals that Haman is the ultimate showman because he can refrain himself when he sees fit. Look at, look at uh, uh, Esther chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. Esther chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. In Esther 5, verses 9 and 10, the Bible says, Then went Haman forth that day joyful and with a glad heart. But when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, that he stood not up nor moved for him, he was full of indignation against Mordecai. This means that he was, he was full of rage. The word indignation is the same Hebrew word as rage. We, we uh, uh, saw it's translated wrath in chapter number 3 and verse number 5. So he's moved with, he's full of indignation and moved with rage against Mordecai. But watch, verse 10. Nevertheless, Haman refrained himself. And when he came home, he sent and called for his friends. And Jerish, his wife. You see, Haman is the he's the perfect showman. He can turn it on when he wants and he can suppress it when it's in his best interest. Is this not what political candidates do today? You see secret footage that's been recorded and you get to hear who they really are. You never hear that when they're in front of the camera or they're in front of the public eye. They're chameleons. They make themselves out to be what they need to be to further their own interests. They're the perfect political candidate, just like Haman. So we see the second way that Haman is shown as the perfect political candidate. We see a, a, tantra, a tantrum produced by pride. But then notice Haman's twisted plot. We see this in verse 6, his twisted plot. Notice verse number 6 of Esther chapter number 3. Esther chapter 3 and verse 6. And he thought scorn to lay hands on Mordecai alone. For they had showed him the people of Mordecai. Wherefore Haman sought to destroy all the Jews that were throughout the whole kingdom of Acosphorus, even the people of Mordecai. Haman is not content to just get revenge on Mordecai. No, he's got further plans. See, you mess with Haman, you mess with the wrong dude. And he's not only going to take out his rage on you, he's going to take out his rage on your entire group of people. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, sometimes I joke and, uh, you know, I say uh, at home, I say, you know what, I'll kill you and everybody you love. Uh, <laughs> it's silly, right? Uh, that was actually something that I won't tell you who said that, but uh, there's an old football player that was on steroids and he was talking about, you know, he's in the game and he ripped this guy's helmet off and said, I'll kill you and everybody you love, you know. Um, Haman meant it. Haman meant it. He was moved by revenge. He meant it. Haman was content just getting revenge on Mordecai. He wanted to exterminate the entire race of the Jews, which I've said before in multiple messages, we as the United States better be the friend of Israel. They have had repeated attempts to try to exterminate them. Go all the way back to the book of Exodus. Look at what Hitler did. And yes, whoopee, and you other idiots from uh, whatever show you're on, yes, the Holocaust was real, and yes, it was a specific group of people that were targeted. And it was carried out. Okay, so it's always been the devil's intent to get rid of the Lord's chosen nation, Israel. And here we have Haman just following in the footsteps of his father, the devil, and trying to do what he can do to exterminate the Jews. This is a twisted plot. Now think about this. All of this is why. 
because Mordecai won't bow the knee to Haman. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Hey, guys, I got this problem. You know, this guy won't bow the knee to me. Well, here, why don't you do this? Why don't you exterminate an entire race of people? That'll fix him. It's preposterous. It's a twisted plot. Haman was willing to destroy others to further his own agenda. Let me say that again so you understand what I'm talking about. He was willing to destroy others to further his own agenda. Boy, does that sound familiar today? Can you think of any political initiatives where our politicians are seeking their own good and the entrenchment of their own base, even if it means destroying others? I don't know if you've been following what's going on today in our public schools, but you better. You're talking about the United States government and state governments in some instances without the parents' knowledge supporting kids that are a bo- uh, a kids a boy and, and they want to support him becoming a little girl? A little girl because she might be a tomboy? Even against the parents knowing that, they want to support that little girl becoming a boy? This is twisted. It's a twisted play. It's sick. And yet it is extolled by our politicians. Politicians supporting puberty-blocking drugs and other hormone treatments for kids as young as elementary school. Gender-affirming surgery that includes, and I'm quoting, top or bottom surgery to align facial features, breast shape, and genitalia with a person's gender. Endorsing puberty blockers is a safe way for adolescents struggling with what is referred to as gender dysphoria. You know what interests me? Darlene and I were watching a show the other night. Uh, I think it was Dateline. And, uh, and, and, you know, there's a Supreme Court case that opined that, you know, juveniles are, are not eligible not only for the death penalty but for... Uh, mandatory life in prison. Now California, because they're the freaks that they are, have taken things further and you know now there's a case where we were watching where the guy was 19 when he committed the crime and he was given life in prison and because of California's law he's able to petition the government and now the guy got out on probation. And here's the, here's the thing about this. These proponents of, of not having the death penalty or not having life, mandatory life imprisonment for juveniles, their argument is that their brain isn't developed enough. In fact, on the show the other night, they had a, an expert in there, you know, and saying, oh, the brain is not fully developed until the age of 26. So they're not responsible. They can't really formulate right decisions. Oh, okay, but somebody who's in elementary school can determine that because you're a little girl and you like to dress up as a tomboy that now you need to be a boy? Oh, they can make that decision. Folks, our country is twisted. This is a twisted plot. I read this uh, off of uh, the United States Department of State web, or the, actually the White House website. This goes back away. It's a press release from last year. It says, I'll just read this to you. The Department of State is announcing that beginning on April 11, 2022, all U.S. citizens will be able to select an X as their gender marker on their U.S. passport application. 
This is a major step in delivering on the president's commitment to expand access to accurate identification documents for transgender and non-binary Americans. So you see that there's not really male and female. There's whatever you want to be. So the Bible's not true, where the Lord the, the Bible says the Lord made male and female. That's not true. That's you're 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 a you're a, a moral terrorist if you believe that. You should be able to say that you are whatever you think you are. Is this not crazy? Is this not done by our politicians to secure funding and support from certain groups? You gonna tell me? that these politicians really believe that men can have babies? They don't believe that. It's all a twisted plot to further their political power and gain. We better wake up in our country. We've become a, a nation governed by a, a, a bunch of Hamans. Tell you what we need. We need some Mordecais who would stand up. Well, there's a fourth way that we see... Uh, Haman portrayed as the perfect political candidate. It's in verses 7 and 9, and we see that, that he utilizes a tactic born of politics. Haman uses the political process as a tactical way to get his revenge on Mordecai and further his own political base. Now, here's what he does. See again if this doesn't ring true. See if this doesn't sound familiar. First of all, he vilifies his adversary, his opponent. He makes the king think that Mordecai is a reprobate who refuses to submit to the laws of the land, and he paints him out as the worst person in the world. But not just Mordecai, all the Jews, Mordecai's people. Notice how he does it. First of all, he, he twists the truth. He twists the truth. Look at Esther chapter 3, verse 7. Actually, it's going to be in verse number 8 is what we're looking at. Verse number 7 just gives us the timing of, of when this is happening. But then notice verse 8. And Haman said unto king Achosphorus, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of, the, provinces of thy kingdom. And their laws are diverse from all people. Now, is that... Was that true of the Jews? There was some partial truth to that. I mean, the Jews had certain dietary restrictions. They had certain restrictions on how they were to take care of their land and till their land and give her their tithes and so forth and so on. Remember that there are three laws that the Lord gave the Jews, right? There was the moral law, the Ten Commandments, and all that's contained in that, and that's applicable to us today. But then he also gave them the civil law, which governed how they were supposed to uh, conduct their affairs, and then the ceremonial law as it relates to their religious observances. And so part of what, part of what Haman is saying is true. But he's twisting the truth and making it in to an outright lie because watch what he follows up with in verse number 8. Let me read that again. And he says, And their laws are diverse from all people. Now watch. Neither keep they the king's laws. What a liar! Haman is a liar! The Jews were not rebels and saying, We're not going to keep the laws of the land of Persia. I'll tell you what Haman's talking about. 
He's talking about Mordecai not bowing down and worshiping him and doing reverence to him. He is twisting the truth and telling outright lies. Now, stay with me. Do you know that in the 2020 presidential election, by the way, take your politics out of this. If you listen to this online, take your politics out of this and, and, and do your research and see whether or not what I'm saying is true. Okay? So don't think that I'm up here giving a pro-Trump sermon. It's not a pro-Trump sermon. It's a pro-America sermon. Look at what I said and go back and see if what I said is not true. Now, in the 2020 presidential election, do you know how many people voted for Donald Trump? 74 million. 223,975 people. Now, whether you like or dislike Donald Trump, over 74 million people voted for him. Okay? Now, I want you to listen to this, and I think all of you saw this. This was a speech that Joe Biden gave in Philadelphia back on the September 1st of 2022. He gave this speech at the Independence National Historical Park in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The title of the speech was this. And you can look at this. You can go to the White House website and download this speech. Here's the title. Remarks by President Biden on the continued battle for the soul of our nation. Now, stay with me. Listen. I'm not reading the, the speech in its entirety, okay? because frankly, I don't want to throw up before lunch. But secondly, it's too long, and you can look at it on yourself, so I'm cherry-picking from what he... I, I admit that. But listen to this. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundation of our republic. Now, I want to be very clear. Applause. That you, because, it, you know, they got to put in when the people applause. Very clear up front. Not every Republican, not even the majority of Republicans or MAGA Republicans, not every Republican embraces their extreme ideology. But wait a minute. 74 million people voted for this guy. So are you saying that the 74 million aren't MAGA Republicans? Well, why, what, what's your, what's your, how are you defining this, Joe Biden? Okay, The 74 million people that voted for Donald Trump, I would bet that a lot of them voted for Donald Trump because... He was of the party that they felt best represented their views and their party platform represented their views. So they didn't vote for Donald Trump because they liked Donald Trump, but they voted for Donald Trump because his party represented their views. Okay. Now, I could be wrong on that. I know I'm not wrong in at least one instance because that describes me. Okay. Now, the point that I'm making is that Joe Biden has said, well, this is targeted at MAGA Trump Republicans, but not all Republicans. Well, who voted for Trump that wouldn't fit in that category? You see the point that I'm making? Let's go on. But there is no question that the Republican Party today is dominated, driven, and intimidated by Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans, and that is a threat to this country. These are hard things. But I'm an American president, not the president of Red America or Blue America, but of all America. And I believe it is my duty... My duty to level with you, to tell the truth, no matter how difficult, no matter how painful. Isn't he a great guy? He's really fallen on his sword for the betterment of the country. What a great guy Joe Biden is. And here, in my view, is what is true. MAGA Republicans do not respect the Constitution. They do not believe in the rule of law. They do not recognize the will of the people. 
They refuse to accept the results of a free election and they're working right now as I speak in state after state to give power to decide elections in America to partisans and cronies, empowering election deniers to undermine democracy itself. MAGA forces are determined to take this country backwards. Now listen. Listen to how he describes MAGA Republicans. Backwards to an America where there is no right to choose. He's talking about abortion. No right to privacy. No right to contraception. Do you know any Republicans that said we ought to take away contraception? Did you hear any candidate espouse that? No right to contraception. No right to marry who you love. What a horrible, horrible group of people. This basket of despicables that would actually be anti-abortion. You see where I'm going with this? Is this not what Haman did? Look at these Jews over here. They got their own laws and they won't abide by the laws that the king has set up. Is this not what Biden is saying? Let's go on. They promote authoritarian leaders and they fan the flames of political violence that are a threat to our personal rights, to the pursuit of justice, to the rule of law, to the very soul of this country. In other words, if you vote Republican and you support these things, you are a threat to our democracy. Just like Haman said the Jews were. They look at the mob that stormed the United States Capitol on January 6th, brutally attacking law enforcement. It's a lie. That's an absolute bold-faced lie. Okay? I'm telling you, look it up. It's a lie. Not as insurrectionists who placed a dagger to the throat of democracy, but they look at them as patriots. Some of this is so sad that I want to cry, and it's, other parts are just so laughable that it's just it, it's disgusting. They tried everything last time to nullify the votes of 81 million people. This time they're determined to succeed in thwarting the will of the people. But while the threat to American democracy is real, I want to say as clearly as we can, we are not powerless in the face of these threats. We are not bystanders in this ongoing attack on democracy. There are far more Americans, far more Americans from every, from every background and belief who reject the extreme MAGA ideology than those that accept it. Applause. And folks... It is within our power. It's in our hands, yours and mine, to stop the assault on American democracy. Tame it. Tame it. These bunch of rabble-rousing Jews over here, they got their own laws and they won't submit to the laws of the king of Persia. They're a threat to the democracy of, or the monarchy of the, of the Persian Empire. So what should be done? Well, what does the last part of verse 8 say? Therefore it is not for the king's prophet to suffer them. Verse 9, If it please the king, let it be written that they may be destroyed. Man, Haman's a divider. There's no room for political disagreement with Haman. You upset him, you're not only a threat to the democracy, but you need to be done away with. You say, well, you're being extreme. Am I really being extreme? Am I really? We better wake up in this country and look at what's happening. You know what's going on right now is instead of unifying the nation, we're divided as never before. Thomas Jefferson wrote a letter to his friend Edward Carrington in January of 1787, and he wrote this. He said, among the latter, under pretense of governing, they have divided their nations into two classes, wolves and sheep. And that's what's happened. 
politicians like Haman value the end result more than its effect. Let's let them be destroyed. We don't care what else happens because if they're destroyed, guess what? I get to stay in power and I'll be okay and my family will be okay. It doesn't matter what happens to the other people. Is that not what Haman said? Verse number 9. And Haman said unto king Acosteros, there is a certain people, or excuse me, in verse number 9, if it please the king, let it be written that they may be destroyed. John Adams wrote in a note to a speech he was giving in Massachusetts in 1772, there's danger from all men. The only maxim of a free government ought to be to trust no man living with power to endanger the public liberty. There still is a First Amendment. There still is a Bill of Rights. We still do have religious freedom in this country. And no Haman should be permitted to take that from us. Well, you know what happened with Haman. He got his. He constructs this gallows that he's going to have Mordecai hung on. Who was hung on the gallows? Haman. Proverbs 16, 18, Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Do you know that to this day, on the day of Purim, which is the day celebrating the release of the king's decree to kill all the Jews and exterminate all the Jews, on the day of Purim, Jews hiss. They hiss when Haman's name is mentioned. Because he's a snake. Can you think of any political candidates that are snakes? And again, I'm going across the aisle. Doesn't matter whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. If a person is out to further their own best interests and stay in power for 48 years, you got to question what their motivation is. Are they a Haman? There are four ways that we looked at that show Haman as today's perfect political candidate. He had a thirst for power. He threw a tantrum produced by pride. He implemented a twisted plot. And of course he used a tactic born of the political process to further his end. I hope that today I realize that this is a, a, a an emotionally charged message. People will listen to this message if they do and you know they'll think that I've lost my mind. Study it. See whether or not what I'm saying is true. See whether or not the country's headed in the direction you want us to. Do you really think that Joe Biden is out for the best interest of you in this country? Or could it be, you know, that he wants to protect Hunter and the millions of dollars that they've obtained from foreign countries that he's been in bed with, and I pray that it's exposed. If we can impeach a former president and a person who's no longer president, and Donald Trump, then certainly if our goal as the American people is the moral uprightness of the office, then those ought to be investigated as well. I pray God has mercy on our nation. That we don't continue to elect Hamans to office because they're the perfect political candidate. Let's pray.